Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading books outside of our comfort zone. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week on Shelf Aware, we are finishing up our unit brought to us by Anna on dystopian mm-hmm. literature with Jessamine Chan's The School for Good Mothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Anna, what'd you think of this one? Hmm. Well... <laughs> I thought there were parts of it I were, thought were very, like, interesting and intriguing. I have my prop here. I got the physical book, so I got my prop. Mm, mm, wow, amazing. Um, <laughs> I really, the middle of it drags so much. Mm. And then the ending, I was like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. You know, and so it was, it was, I liked, I liked the conversation about, like, Asian mothers versus like Western mothers, you know, mm-hmm. or wh- white moms, I guess. Um, and like the cultural differences and this obviously like the dystopian nature of the whole book was very interesting, but like, dang, that was bleak. It was, it was <laughs> fairly bleak. I mm-hmm. would say as far as dystopias go, it wasn't as bleak as it could have been. True. Mm-hmm. Cause it was, it did kind of end on a hope spot. Kind but, like, of. a very weird one. <laughs> a very <laughs> weird one. Um, I generally liked it. It did make me cry a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically at, like, the bit right before the very end with kind of the results of yeah, fuck the that. school. Yeah, that I was sobbing through. Yeah. Um, like, very hardcore. And that might have been because I had just, like, I was, like, on an airplane. <laughs> it does things to you, but... Um, no, uh, I I thought that some of it was maybe a little heavy-handed to the point of being more satire than dystopia. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I could see that. But overall, I think it was it was uh, good. I liked it as an example of dystopia. I think mm-hmm. I liked it more than the other two dystopias we read. Certainly, yeah, that's definitely uh, for sure. I think there are definitely some stuff in here I found very like it's very difficult to read mm-hmm. um aspects of it and like my feelings about the main character I'm so like torn yes I'm just a very frustrating person mm-hmm. um to have to follow the entire time and I get also that like her probably ro- more like robotic tone to to the writing and to this character's voice is purposeful to some extent but like yeah I I hate to say it, but, like, you can see why a totally, like, computer robotic system for judging if someone is a good parent or not could potentially be like, mm, you just don't seem sad enough. Because, like, <laughs> <laughs> the character was very, like, uh, I don't want to be, like, um, like, stereotypical or derivative, but very, like, she's Asian. She has very, like, Asian ways of... of and, of expressing her emotions and like what she keeps bottled up and what she lets people see and like mm. you know it's just like yeah the race stuff was I thought was very good in this book but I just don't know about this character <laughs> I think the narrative did a good job of like dissecting that and I mm-hmm. feel like the kind of I feel like she was purposefully not necessarily a character that you would root for in everything yeah like her relationships, I was like, girl, no, I'm not rooting for this to go well for no. you because this is unhealthy. Um, but, <laughs> like, I think that's purposeful because it's like, even if she is not a perfect person, a perfect character, like, you can still say that the things that are happening to her are disgusting and terrible. Oh, and, for sure. You yeah. know, so it's like, 
because that's kind of the thing that the book is arguing against, right, is the idea of the perfect mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think that it, it would be difficult to get the same point across if the woman in question was, like, just so relatable self-insert sort of character, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because then you would get into the thought of that she even has in this book of, like, well, I'm not that bad, right? So yeah, yeah. maybe I'm this is okay for... Linda. Maybe this is okay for some people, but not me, right? right. Um, but that being said, would you recommend this book to folks? So, so tentatively. Mm -hmm. I definitely check your trigger warnings on this. There is a, there's a lot going on with like child endangerment, child, child, um, child abuse. um, I don't know, man, if stuff like uh, following a character who's in a prison that's not really a prison, um, you know, is something that bothers you. Definitely not. A lot of like surveillance state kind of stuff. Mm. so yeah, definitely check your content warnings. I think I would definitely I would recommend this book. I think there are definitely the type of readers who would read this and really gain something from it. Um, I feel like my reading of this, I was like, yeah, I fucking know. It's 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 tough for moms out there. Like mm-hmm. America hates moms. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but it, I mean, there it is a. I would recommend this to men. I was going to say the same thing. Men should read this. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, so I dads, don't recommend this. Dads read this. <laughs> I don't recommend this to anyone who has had a child in the last, like, two to three years, probably, because mm-hmm. I think this will be a lot. Yeah. Um, just put it on the shelf for a while. I think that um, men and childless women, of which I am one, should maybe yeah. read this mm-hmm. to kind of, like... Or like empty nesters. Like if your parents yeah. haven't had kids in a while, you're thinking about you're thinking about having a family, starting your own family, and you're worried about like grandparents' attitudes towards how mm-hmm. you want to raise your kids. Have them read this book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, or just anyone who ever has given a mother unsolicited advice. Absolutely. Maybe go read oh this book. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> but if you are a mom, please, please go please. into this with a good support system. Like, you know, don't be alone. Have to have some comfort items near you. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else have you been reading, though? Um, so I wanted to look into an area of dystopias that we haven't covered on the podcast, which okay. I kind of was thinking about. I'm like, oh, yeah. a lot. I think I mentioned this when we picked this book, but like a lot of dystopias now that are written, adult dystopias are about like pregnancy, motherhood, yes, I could see that control of women's bodies, right? For yeah. some reason, um, <laughs> either that or like climate stuff. I would say is the other big one. Yeah, uh, but I wanted to look at uh, a graphic novel dystopia okay. because I was like, hey, actually, like that is a place where dystopias are still very much flourishing. I feel like, mm-hmm. and so I found this comic series that was out uh, about like started about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got two volumes out. I read the first one. Wikipedia says it's continuing, but it seems to have been a while since they've published anything. So I don't know if like it actually will continue, if it's going to end on a cliffhanger or what. Uh-huh. But it's called um, Bitch Planet. By, okay, I love uh, the title. Yeah, I know, right? And it's actually pretty similar to this book. Um, it, but it is by Kelly Sue DeConnick, and um, the art is by Valentine Delandro. And it is about a near-future dystopic state in which, similar to this, similar to Handmaid's Tale, like, women are 
expected to behave in a certain way and to like follow it fall in with the patriarchy and those who are not are sent to a separate uh like penal colony planet which is nicknamed bitch planet by the characters in this <laughs> mm-hmm. series the art's pretty cool it's very like throwback to um uh, oh, uh, exploitation films like it's kind of like a takedown of that sort of thing okay. if you're into feminist graphic novels and you haven't checked it out it's was, it was, uh, definitely an interesting one yeah that sounds uh, very how, relevant to this book we yes just read, it's so. very similar to this book mm-hmm. we just read except there's only one reference to like bad motherhood being a thing that can end you to wow, get blast. you sent to bitch planet versus <laughs> Not that being book. the whole thing um, how about you what have you been reading um, well, I was doing really good. I was like reading every single day so far this year. Wow. Um, and then I had a slip. I I put some fanfics on my Kindle mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and I just started reading those uh, instead of books that I could like, you know, track the reading progress for on anything. Like mm-hmm. I could track the reading, like these fics are on Storygraph that I'm reading, but like I'm not going to go on my Storygraph and tell the entire world what fanfics I'm reading. Um, distressed to realize I have read like a thousand pages um, within the past like 48 hours. It's fine. I'm totally healthy and normal and fine. So <laughs> I haven't been reading so much that I want to talk about. I did um, watch a Japanese drama on Netflix recently. I like binged it all in one day. The full-time wife escapist is what it's called on Netflix. I think it may have like a differently translated name. I saw it mm. referred to as something else elsewhere, but that's what it's called on Netflix if you want to watch it. It is a story about um, a woman and a man who decide that um, she she's having a hard time finding a job. He needs someone to, as, as a housekeeper, she's working like part-time as a housekeeper, but then for reasons she's going to have to move out of Tokyo. Um, and the only way she can stay is if like, they moved in together, but you can't just have a random man and woman move in together in in this in the in the context of this movie or in Japan. I don't know. So they decide to get like a common law marriage where he will pay her a salary for the things that a housewife would do. Mm. Um, and I just thought it was kind of it was a little bit relevant to what we're reading, like the the all the labor that a mother has to take on that is maybe not expected from a man. Um, mm-hmm. And I just thought it was interesting. They had a lot of discussions about like the cost of what a woman does and is not thanked for or um is just expected to be done and being how can you fairly compensate a woman for that and there is a point where they do fall in love and then becomes a discussion of like okay but now since we're in love you can't like exploit me to just like do this stuff for free you know so I thought it was cute it's a short um I think it was like 12 episodes and then they Mm. have like an epilogue um situation that you can watch but yeah it was cute I'm gonna check I thought that the one guy out. and it was very attractive. Well, that's also, you know, important. Yeah. As well as the, <laughs> the feminist dialogue, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I also like the whole time, because I had I couldn't remember the name for this. So I had like my Netflix page pulled up this whole time and it still has 28 Days Haunted on there. And Jer Bear is just Delightful. staring me in the eye the whole time I'm talking about this. I We did end up watching that, the conclusion to that. Um, oh, yeah. And it was you know, about as one would think with a ghost show. Uh, did Everything... the demon take Jerbear? 
It did, actually. Oh, yeah. No. He got really, like, mean towards the woman oh, he was with, dang. and it was kind of a mess. And it definitely dang. wasn't just, like, internalized misogyny or anything. Yeah, it, was definitely it wasn't a demon. an excuse to be mean to a woman. Uh-huh, yeah. It was a demon possessed him. But basically everyone involved said we did it, we proved ghosts, even though no actual proof of ghosts was provided. Yeah. It is such so, a bullshit show, guys. It really is. If you're looking for something to laugh at, um, it, there are some points where you're like, no, this is too dumb, but there's mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. laughable moments, too, so. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking cool. of laughable moments, this book had none. Let's this get into it. This book had absolutely zero funny <laughs> things happen in it. Lots of sad, tragic, awful things. Just really so. just put you through the ringer, this book. Absolutely. It was fucked up. So let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> the plot for this one is pretty basic because, I, like I said, I think the middle of it got really repetitive in the, in the fact that it was like, now they're taking a class and it's awful and it's a really, like, exaggerated hyperbolic version mm. of you know blah 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 blah. but so see i'm again, but. i'm a reading masochist mm, so i you like wanted more classes yeah i was like yes <laughs> destroy me emotionally continue oh <laughs> uh, well let's get into it so we have our main character frida the book opens with her receiving a call from the police and they're like we have your daughter what's up uh come down to the station and come pick her up so Frida is a, currently a single mother. She and her ex-husband, Gust, um, had been... Terrible name. Gust, terrible name for a terrible man. Uh, <laughs> to be clear, it's G-U-S-T, and yeah. that is part of why I hate it, because unless you really hit that T, it just sounds like you're saying Gus. Yes. Gus. And it is not, it's Gust. Gust. Like wind. Gust. <laughs> gust of wind. But basically, so she, she and Gust had a baby. He was kind of the one. She never really pictured herself as a mother. And so Gust kind of really talked her into starting this family. And she's like, oh, I, I want a family as long as it's with you. Uh, eight months pregnant, she finds out Gust has been cheating on her with a much younger woman. Um, I thought it was two months after the baby was born, but it's going on since she was eight months pregnant. Could be. I on, I read this a few days ago. I'm a little okay. fuzzy on the details. So either way, Gust is a garbage bag of a man. Mm, for um, sure. He does. He, she finds out he doesn't even want to try. He he's he says like I'm gonna leave her, but then he's like, oh, I just can't. I can't bring myself to leave her. So we have to get a divorce. Um, they have recently moved from New York City to Philadelphia, um, and her family all lives in Chicago. So she basically has no support system here in and they Philadelphia. They moved there for gusts job yes and because it's cheaper to start a family there than it would be in new york city um she has no one to rely on she hates the the new woman in in gust's life because she is like she's this much younger woman who is one of those um crunchy moms if you know Mm -hmm. you know um and her parenting style she seems the the i can't remember her name is like shannon or susanna susanna yes because uh the kid calls her Susu. Yes, that is right, which is very funny because in Tagalog, that's like boobs. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, which she has big boobs. Which she's got huge knockers. Um, but she um, she kind of oversteps her boundaries a little bit um, with the whole co-parenting thing, does some things that um, uh, Frida does not really agree with and is kind of converting Gust to her crunchy way of life in a way that... Um, Frida really feels like is harming her child. Like they do a lot of like weight loss stuff. And yes, please do not introduce diet culture to your child who is two years old. That is 
fucking also, terrible. Also, they don't want to give the child a flu vaccine at they one don't, point. Yes, they're, they're, they're awful people, like crunchy moms to the max. <laughs> <laughs> and also it is, I think it's implied that Gust was kind of down this path also before Susanna and then, be, like, because I think that's why she, he met Susanna at the eight month or started dating her at the eight month because he gets mad that she has an epidural, which is, that's I think, a, like a yes. crunchy mom thing. Yeah. Which makes it seem like he was talking to Susanna about, like, their birthing plan, which, which is, is wild. Up. Yeah. <sighs> and the best part about this, this whole, like, cheating thing is that he, he and Frida do also not stop having sex. Like, he like comes and visits okay because they, they have the baby they get split custody right uh he'll like just come over to Frida's house and then like if the baby is napping they will fuck like I'm just Gus is Gus is an awful man terrible <laughs> terrible, terrible human being um so this is the situation Frida's a stay-at-home mom she works from home uh she has like this remote job where she edits edits journal articles or something in academia maybe she edits she edits a newsletter for the department Mm. that condenses published journal articles into like news stories yes so she has to read the journal articles and then like put them in layman's terms make them concise yeah and she doesn't necessarily have the training to know what they are about so yeah seems like an interesting job yeah so i think she does have a doctorate or something like she has some she sort didn't of finish her degree. phd okay um because that's one of the things her parents are unhappy about i believe and frida is um the daughter of chinese immigrants who um came to the u.s to escape communism so that's a whole nother layer of generational trauma there um so she's living on her own she gets this call from the cops the cops say hey we have your daughter come we need to come talk to you at the station she calls gust um, she goes to the station by herself. The police are like, um, ma'am, you abandoned your child in your home, uh, for like two hours. Your two-year-old baby? Yeah, you just like fucking left her at home with no supervision for two hours. And an exorcist, she's way too big for. Mm. <laughs> Which is like, I, reading this like infuriating to me, I cannot, and I understand the point of this book is supposed to be like, hey, mom's. Moms are expected to perform perfectly in a world where they are given no resources to to, to be the, as good of mothers as society thinks they should be. Mm. I get that. I was like, girl, you left your you just up and left your kid for two hours while you went to work. She he, she excuses this. She says, I made a mistake. I had one bad day. I just made a mistake. Now, can I have my baby and go home, please? And they're like, ma'am, I don't think you understand the severity of what is going on here. Uh, she basically, her, her neighbors narked. She lives in some sort of like townhouse or apartment situation where she has attached neighbors. Um, they called the police when they noticed that the baby did not stop crying for several, like, I guess a couple hours. I don't know. Um, but also the baby hadn't stopped crying for like days at this point. Yeah. So because I don't the know baby why that was sleep. unusual. Like, Cause who, that was who, the whole thing Yeah, was that like the baby could, wasn't sleeping at her normal times. So mm. she couldn't go to sleep. So she was sleep yeah. deprived. She has depression, but is untreated for it at this point because Gus encouraged her to go off of her medications yes. for the baby, which is like, okay. Um, and then I don't think she ever went back on them. Uh, she's yeah. also an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's like a lot going on here in terms of her mental health and the way that and no one she can talk to. I like I was not that mad at her for leaving the kid. Like obviously that's a bad decision. Like we can all Mm -hmm. agree it's a bad decision. But also like the way it is was 
read to me was like it wasn't even so much of a decision as like a survival tactic at that point of mm-hmm. like because there's kind of this thing also like she loves her kid right? yeah she does but that she also hates her kid at times which, which is, i think it's a two-year-old that's fair right You're staying at home alone with the two-year-old yeah. and i think honestly like maybe this is controversial maybe people who have kids would disagree with me but like if you are alone and in that much physical and mental pain because that is going to be painful to stay up that like that amount of time mm-hmm. with no sleep and that much pressure like I it's like a fight or flight thing and you can't punch the baby so she had to like run away from it like I was like yeah yes. totally I think it is forgivable if you put you put the baby in her crib in mm-hmm. her room and you step outside and you mm. you sit you sit on the front stoop of your home and you're like I just need 30 20 to 30 minutes here where the baby is inside safe where I know where they are I'm on the premises I guess at what point like if it's a corner coffee shop is that okay or is that too far too far I mean it is too far but (laughs) (laughs) also like Gust is still in town and also does have and I understand I understand there's this competitive thing here like she wants to be seen as good of a mom as as Susanna pretends to be um but like if you are running on 30 minutes of sleep Mm -hmm. I think your pride can take the hit and you can say hey I need you to come pick up the baby a day early because I just need to sleep I I mean like I think logically yes logically yes I think that's true again I do not have kids but I will say I have been in that type of situation where it is like there is a very easy fix that if you had just said it two days ago, everything would have been fine. Mm. But then because it's like the sunk cost fallacy, right, of like, well, I've made it this far. I just got to keep pushing, keep going. And then it's like, well, if I tell someone about the situation now, it is obvious that I have failed, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and then that's a whole thing. So, I mean, like, I get it. I'm not saying it's okay, but I do get it. And I mean, the the real culprit here is not Frida. It is that there are no systems in place for a single mother staying at home with her child to have like there is no there is no like reduced child care. There's no sense of community, especially, mm-hmm. I think, in the United States. Like she talks about how her neighbors, she's the only woman of color in this neighborhood, the only single mom in this neighborhood. Like the people are looking at her. They don't trust her. They don't like her moving into this place. So it could have been like a racially motivated phone call you know yeah and we find out baby will not shut up and we find out later that even when those sort of tactics are taken it's still a no-lose situation right because there are some Mm -hmm. mothers who I think there's like the one who let her kid go down like walk down the street because she knows everyone in the neighborhood and they all look out for each other and she had like someone else called a block away from her home yes right and or like there's um the mom, I think, who, like, had a grandparent or a sister or something watching them. And that sister had, like, a – or, like, there was a boyfriend or something that was, like – The boyfriend was abusive to the person that was babysitting the kid Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, that was – like, okay, so I can't use this babysitter – Yes. Because that will make me a bad mom. But then if I stay with the kid, I'm also going to be a bad mom because I'm going to be worn out and tired and can't do anything. Exactly. And then also, as we find out later, like the system that they are expected to be good mothers in relies on them not working. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. If it you, is definitely very fucked up. Yes. Like, so it's like, yes, Frida made a, a mistake or did a bad thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But also, even if she hadn't, she still probably this still could have happened, right? Yes. Um. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just a terrible situation all around. CPS is called. Obviously, the baby is taken out of her um, custody, given to dad, Gust for the duration, and um, she has to have several um, supervised visitations with a social worker. She has to go to a, um, a court-appointed psychologist um, so they can kind of analyze whether or not she is fit to be a mother. And then they also have um, a... 24 7 surveillance in her home every room except the bathroom so that they behind the scenes can do whatever data collection to um for computers to decide is she is she genuine in her grief at losing her daughter like this is she sorry for what she did is she is she even like is her house clean does she cook does she have friends like does she is she able to be a mother in the capacity that she is currently living in so the first like 25 30% of this book is Frida going jumping through all of their hoops her her lawyers like just play ball you know at the end of the day you are a you're a woman with advanced degrees you have a stable job like there's no way they're going to take your baby away from you so she goes through all this stuff and then at her final court um, trial where they where they're going to decide whether or not she gets custody or if they're just going to eliminate all of her parental rights. They say, mm, well, when the cameras caught you crying, you weren't crying with the right body language. You didn't have anybody over, you know, because you're probably like really upset, depressed about what has just happened. You have a lot of shame and grief. You didn't have anybody over in the time that we were surveilling you. So that means you're a weirdo. Um, you hardly ever ate at home. You would leave the house for extended periods of time and not take your phone with you. So that was kind of suspicious because we couldn't track you. So if you want to have a chance at having your kid again and having custody of your child, you need to go to this year long program. You have to quit your job. Um, you have to put all of your stuff in storage because you'll have no money to pay for rent or anything. And you have to go to this institution where we will guide you, you will, it will be a school, we will teach you how to be a good mother. Um, and at the end of that year long period, if we feel like you've learned the lessons, then you can come back and you can be your daughter's mother again, or we will terminate all of your parental rights. You will have no ability to see her until the child turns 18 and can choose whether or not to seek you out. So fucked up. Wow. Um, she obviously agrees. I'm going to go to the school. I'm going to be the best student ever. You know, like um, I'm going to get straight A's in mom's school and then I'm going to get my daughter back. Piece of cake. It's one year. I can do this. But literally like this school is set up very similarly to a prison. So the mothers, there's a bunch of moms. They're all bust in. This is the um, like the first trial class. run. Yeah, yeah. They are just they are just test running this. They have a school for moms and a school for dads. Um, that it's like I think it's in the same state, but you know, they're like nearby, nearby. Um Yeah, one is on theirs is on an old liberal arts college campus and the other one is on a hospital campus. Just totally haunted. Abandoned totally. hospital. Uh-huh. But Those also dads are all ghosts. Also anyone uh playing along at home can probably pick up college campus college campuses generally significantly larger than hospital campuses yeah hmm, wonder why wonder why 
Uh, prepare to be more infuriated by the differences. Prepare to be schools. amazed by. <laughs> <laughs> so all these women are bust in. They are given like jumpsuits that they have to wear. They're all, like one size fits all. Nothing flattering at all. They n- are not allowed to have any of their own personal possessions. Their phones are taken away. No visitors. They're restricted to like one phone call a week with their families. Um, mothers, mothers who don't have any other family or anyone that can take the kids, their kids are just all put into foster care for a year. Um, you will be surprised to find out it is mostly black and brown moms. Um, Hmm. Hmm. shocking. Frida is the only Asian woman she makes no, and there's very few white women, but there's definitely a bias here. Um, they, you know, they have very strict scheduled meal times, what they can do with their free time. They have roommates. They're being constantly monitored. Um, and all of the other women that do work here as the instructors for these moms are all women who are not mothers, except for the one that's like in charge of the program. And who even knows? Because she could and be I think, lying. I think she's also a, a mother of adults at this point because she has she's grandchildren. She's like the people who came up with the uh, the motion picture rating system. Mm, yeah. It's like kids can't watch XYZ content, but all my kids are like 30. So how do you mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's like that. Um, so it's it's not a good environment to say in the least. They and it's going to get more fucked up. Don't worry. It's going to get more fucked up. It starts off with them all having to repeat this motto. I am a bad mother, but I'm learning to be a good one. Uh, They also have another fun saying that's like, I am a narcissist and I am harming my child. That's a good one. That's cool. That's a cool. That's a cool. Yeah. And we find out that there is a wide variety of um, child abuse happening from that was a normal thing that mom (laughs) or that's healthy and good. And that child, this, the state has fucked up this family forever, irreparably um, to this woman should be in a prison. <laughs> there is. I'm still very confused about Linda. What the fuck is going on with Linda? It is told to us that Linda would bury her child in a hole in her basement whenever she was tired of them. I, what? Linda? She, she kind of explains this in a way, because we hear this from Lucretia, right? Who Who's, is at odds with Linda yes, from They knew stuff each in other from before the school. Yes. yes. Um, and she's like heard this as rumor, basically. And when Linda explains herself to um, uh, uh, Frida, the way she talks about it doesn't quite jive. Like she's like, "What did she tell you? Didn't I? Like I only did that." Da 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 da, which makes it seem like it isn't a literal hole. Like the way she's talking about it, like maybe she put them in a room in the maybe. basement. I'm not sure. And then it has just been like made more ridiculous by mm-hmm. Lucretia because I don't know why would there be a hole in your basement why what would there be a hole mean? in your basement that you r- repeatedly fill up with dirt and empty right that doesn't make sense that would be exhausting that can't and be worth six it of them there's six there's children six of them it would that be will a overpower big hole. you so I'm I'm thinking it was probably like she locked them in a like storage cupboard or something yeah, like a root cellar yeah something yeah. like that um still terrible but yeah, like yeah more uh more understandable <laughs> than or at least more plausible. Yeah. <laughs> she put him in a hole in the basement multiple times. We have the mom that very casually discusses giving her kids cigarette burns. Like we have. Mm. And then we, again, we have these. Who was a white mother. I who believe. Who was a white mother. 
a very tragic case of like, I let my daughter walk home from school by herself because it's only a few blocks away and somebody called me and the state took my kid away sort of Mm. situation. Like there are mothers here that are doing perfectly wonderful jobs. Um, And and there's also like a teen mom who... uh, I'm trying to remember even what she did. Oh, she got – it was because she committed herself to a – no, wait, that was the other That was the other – that was her bestie. Yeah, Meryl, she – Meryl is the teen mom and Beth was the one that committed herself. Yeah, because she yeah. has suicidal ideation and uh-huh. she did the correct thing of yes. going to get treatment and then <laughs> was put in this program. By the way, your kid is in the foster system now. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So – And they, at this point, you might be kind of like, <laughs> gang – this isn't a dystopia. This is this basically is the world that we live in right now. And to that, I would say, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but then there was a twist. But then you're like, a twist, oh, I was worry. not expecting that at all. <laughs> um, so the, rule, the rules are if you quit at any time, you're forfeiting your parental rights. If you um, do any violence, we'll kick you out. You're forfeiting your parental rights. Just listen to the rules. Be good. Be a good mom. You signed an NDA, and if you ever break it, you're forfeiting your parental yes, rights. at any time. At any time. You cannot which, tell anyone, even years later. Which pin in that? Because I have questions. I do, too. Like, once you tell, once once you tell. Once you tell. Once, once you, you tell, tell it's, you're told. Also, if you've already lost your parental rights, why didn't you just why tell? Why didn't you tell? But I think it's because you get put on the registry also is the other, the other threat here. Is that if you are deemed a bad mom you're put on a registry like a sex offender like a sex offender where people will know that you're a bad like they'll be able to look it up and they'll be notified when a bad mother moves into their neighborhood yeah and like you'll have a harder time getting a job especially in certain fields like a teacher which is what one of these women is um yeah yeah. so that's fucked up Mm -hmm. but we'll return to all that yes so just yeah just just simmer here with us in this pit of shit <laughs> um, so they start attending classes and the classes are all things like, uh, how to change diapers, how to feed your kid, how to, um, teach your kid about morals and behavior and stuff like that. But here's And the they're thing. broken into cohorts by, by age the of child. age of their youngest child and that child's gender, yes. which it's never directly brought up, but this is obviously a program that would not work even a little bit if you start questioning the gender binary (laughs) right right so they get to their first day of class and the instructor's like we have a little surprise for you and they start to hear this crying and they're like there's no way they brought our kids here and they open the door and all of these robotic children start walking out and they each one approaches a woman and is like hi mom i'm your new kid um so they have but they these, don't know that they're robots at they don't first. know that they're robots they, and they're, they're so lifelike hyper realistic they think that like they just got someone's kids <laughs> they're like whose kids are these i'm still questioning that if they've like taken the children that were put into the foster care system mm. put them filled them with blue goo like i don't know and did some Westworld shit and then brought these kids back out because that's what it's like so realistic there's like the only difference is that they have like a knob on their backs where they all of their like robotic blue goo stuff goes in because they're not full of blood they're just full of this blue goo that the mothers have to like flush out of the systems of these children once a month and it puts the the robotic children through real pain question mark or simulated i don't know i mean all of it is simulated and real right because that's the thing it's like they are programmed to feel pain 
yeah. that this, yeah. this is, in fact, very important to the program that they can feel pain and act as yes. though they feel pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's also important to the system that it's like, well, but they're robots, so the pain doesn't count because it's programmed, right? But then it gets into like, well, I mean, in a sense, people are also programmed to feel pain. It's just biological programming versus uh, computer programming. So, like, is there a moral difference between causing pain to a living human child and causing pain to a robot child that is programmed to receive pain in the exact same way? Like, I don't know. The don't know. The book, Frida, really comes down hard on one of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So their first class is like how to deliver comfort to their child, how to calm down a child. Um, so they're given these robotic children. They're told you have to name the kids. Frida chooses the name Emmanuel. 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 Thank you. Um, Might be Emanuela. I, yeah, it's a very long name. Um, it's just like I just like it just it came to me. It's like the first name that came to her. She just spits it out. <laughs> This baby robot. Um, they 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 look like two year olds. They act like two year olds. They have like cameras in their eyeballs. Um, basically, these are a monitoring tool where someone is sitting in a room collecting data of like how long is the child crying, how many words as the mother saying to the child per day, how um, often are like, they making eye contact, are they yes, like the tone of their voice, like they're monitoring everything these women do. Very like omniscient sort of situation here for this for the surveillance people. Um, terrifying um and as you can imagine through the course of this this program a woman is being forced to treat this this child this robot as their child their real child the relationships are going to proceed that way like they are going to have these instincts but also it's like it's so nonsensical right and i'm not saying this like from the author's point of view i'm saying like the program is nonsensical it's supposed to be like it's a dystopia right but it's so nonsensical because it's like you're supposed to treat these as if they are your actual real children and have an emotional connection to them like you can just make that up on a whim but then they do things that reinforce the fact that these are not actual real children like make them clean out the blue goo they beat the shit out of them beat the kids and also like uh keep them in a different room and not allow them to like be cared for throughout the day right like which is completely counterintuitive to what they're saying of like you need to be with your kid every second right Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. you are giving these women these fake children and saying you need to treat these as your real children but not putting them in a situation where they could treat them as their real children and then also doing things to them to the kids that if they view them as their real children is emotionally traumatizing Mm -hmm. like hitting them in front of these women beating them slapping these kids um who's like whatever material they're made out of bruises Mm -hmm. um if you pinch the child the the flesh stays dented um and the children have personalities they are actively learning throughout this year-long process like the like we see emmanuel emmanuel Emmanuel, fuck i can't say this name at all i'm so sorry to all of the emmanuels out there listening to me that was good that was it you got it oh is that it okay emmanuel emmanuels um she we can see that this little robot is learning her language becomes more developed she's got like bigger ideas about things um and it's just it's so like it's bizarre it's just a very uncanny valley but Mm-hmm. You're surrounded by that 24-7, and so it becomes canny, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
So yes, their first lesson is learning how to comfort their child and they like go, they teach them like these cat, this catalog of hugs. You can only hug your child for three seconds and you can pat him on the head for eight seconds and then that's it. The child must be comforted after that. And if they're still crying, you're a bad mom. Wow. Um, yeah. They, they're just like graded on these things. Um, and like I said, they, they have all these different units. I'm not going to get into like the specifics of every single one, um, but they have like... Um, they have the one where they have to like learn how to quickly change their diapers and they change the diapers of these children so much that the robots develop butt rashes. Why like, did you program them to do that? Why did you yeah, why, why did, did you, you program make that them to so do that? Realistic? If you, they, you <laughs> the uh, moms of the boy babies baby robots have to like wear face shields because the blue goo is also like highly uh, acidic to yes, humans. Yes, it harms the mothers. And the, I mean, it, the, the so the baby boy robots piss on them, like baby boys do when you uh-huh. change their diapers sometimes. <laughs> but it could potentially kill you. <laughs> but it could kill you. It's like you guys. This is. Do you not see how this doesn't work? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. So there's the unit where the food one where the they f- have to like feed them. So the food that they eat is more to, blue goo. Is more blue goo to like the whole like Replenish. masquerade of like don't let the robots know they're not real children. We have to put what's inside their body be the same as the goo. I guess. So they, like, make blue goo-shaped foods. They have to get the children to eat that. Um, but the moms can't touch it because it's bad. I don't know. What else is there? There's the – so there's food. There's um, the safety one, which is, like, really oh fucked up. Oh, my God. Up. Yes. Because first they have to uh, do a bunch of drills where they get them out of the house quickly, I think. Mm-hmm. And then they have to do drills – about getting them out of the car quickly so they don't get overheated, but they're distracted by being given real video of their like actual real life children. Yes. And they have to like ignore that basically to pay attention to the robot children. And it's like, but if the point is you want them to care about the real life children, you do not see how that then is counter. Okay. Um, And then there's the like, they all have to pretend to be pedophiles at one point. Oh my God. Um, They make the moms act out all these scenarios. Like they have to be kidnappers. They have to be. Yeah. To be clear, pedophiles, they don't like have to do anything to the dolls no. it's just they have to be like the kidnappers on they specifically say that they're playing the role of the pedophile at that point yes. which then someone is like a have lot of the women children away right and a lot of the women are like who have experienced sexual abuse as children some of these women are like mm-hmm. that is not how that happens it is not the stranger on the playground it is brothers fathers uncles friends of the family but then like the the program runners are just like no 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 it's strangers on the playground right like come on they they also do like a scenario where they're test okay so they get tested at the end of each of these units Mm -hmm. and in order to maintain their video call rights with their families they have to perform in like the top two I think it's different for everyone because I think it's her counselor who sets that she okay, has to do the top okay. two. Because I had really the same thought of like me. that like, obviously doesn't make sense. In each yeah, okay, yeah, no, it's up. it's that. I mean, I'm sure that similar restrictions were placed on a lot of women, but her counselor says specifically that like um, you're not trying hard enough. You keep being in the bottom two. Like you need to be at least top two. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So um, Frida loses loses her call her phone call rights. Um, she doesn't talk to her daughter for months and months at a time. Which their phone call rights are ten minutes ten once minute a week. Video chats, yeah. Um, and that's if like you know it, it, trying to trying to corral a two year old in that time limit to have like a meaningful connection mm-hmm. with them and like assuming that you get through on the first time that you dial and you know it's just like a bunch of stuff like that. And like some of the women who have their kids in foster care, like some of the kids get moved to different mm-hmm. foster care placements and they're not given updated contact info yes. and all this other and stuff. And they can only choose to talk to one kid a week mm-hmm. if they have so multiple like, children. Linda, who has six kids, has to decide which of her kids she's going to talk to. Yeah. Uh, so the whole system basically is, is, in case you couldn't guess, designed to have these women fail um, and not do well. Um, we have a few, uh, you know, there's some dust-ups where, like, Linda and Lucretia, they get into a big fight, and Linda kind of orchestrates it so that people see Lucretia hit her, even though it was in self-defense. So Lucretia is kind of, like, kicked out of the system, and she was one of Frida's best friends there, so that's a huge blow to her, and... Um, you know, they also have a whole thing where some of the women start to have romantic relationships with each other. And so then they, that's also like that type of fraternization is not allowed at the school. So there's women getting kicked out over that. There's an aside about how the school, like they haven't said anything about it, but it has been implied that the school does not believe lesbians can be good mothers, which cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Um, and so eventually, through all this schooling, they start to incorporate the dad's school as well. And the dads have also been given creepy children, uh, creepy robot children to monitor. Um, but they start to incorporate the dads. And it's basically used as a way to, like, test the moms to see if they will get distracted um, by having these men around when they're suddenly not been men for a very long time. Um, and I mean, it's not a way to test them. It's a way to purposely fail them. Exactly. Exactly. Because we see, like, uh, uh, Frida uh, develops this friendship with one of the dads, Tucker, mm-hmm. um, and and her uh, Emmanuel develops friendship with Tucker's son, Jeremy, Tucker's mm-hmm. son, robot, robot boy, boy. Um, Jeremy, and they become friends. And she always wants to play Tucker, or always wants to play Jeremy. And um, Frida and Tucker begin a flirtation on Tucker's side, but Frida is very like. Don't she's, fuck up my chances, man. Yeah, she's not like, I'm not interested. She's like, y- y- if I, like, I cannot do this because I need to focus on my mm-hmm. kid, right? And we see as time goes on, like, Frida, her counselor keeps calling her in for, oh, you're fraternizing with Tucker too much. And, like, she hasn't done anything. He's Tucker, been coming on to her. She, he's been coming on to yeah. her. And Tucker does not seem to ever get called out for it Correct. at all. In the same way that Frida is. So, again, and I mean, we're seeing, like, there's a lot of the double standards with, like, the men get an hour on the phone each week and, and are told, canceled. like, and it's never canceled because they're told, like, oh, we think it's important that you stay in the child's life, like, that they still have mm-hmm. their father figure and whatever. Um, they're not graded as harshly. Like, they don't have as many classes. Yeah. It's just. Mm. They have, the they women have to clean. Up. The women have to clean out the blue goo and the men don't. They yes. have the staff to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty fucked up. Yes. Yes. It is very, very, uh, made very apparent the different uh, societal expectations on mothers and fathers. Um, but yeah. This is so, where I'm like, this is getting a little satire-y. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, you're doing too much. Yeah. We like, get yeah. it. We get it. Which is kind of how I felt through a lot of the middle half of the book. Is like, no, we get it. 
the moms are being treated unfairly, yeah. too high of expectations. We get it. Um, Tucker's Tuckerson, the reason he lost his his child, by the way, his son, was because his son was in a treehouse and the dad was on his phone, uh, not paying attention for a brief moment, and the child fell out of the treehouse and broke his leg. So that's why Tucker had his kid taken away. And then we later, slightly later, find out Tucker was texting another woman, yeah. not his wife, on the phone. So the wife is divorcing him, which... Yeah, which he's like, we were separated at the time. We knew we were getting divorced, and I was just flirting. But yeah. that does again, that is points against him in this system. But not for Frida. Not for Frida. Uh, Frida, she, she and Tucker do kind of make plans like... They, they exchange phone numbers uh, in a very covert way. They memorize each other's contact information. They want to find each other when they when they get out uh, and kind of start start some sort of new family together, start over. Um, and Frida's kind of like, well, like, I don't understand why they wouldn't be good with this because obviously they are expecting us to be stay-at-home moms because right. we can't, like, you can't do this and have a job. So Exactly. We have to, like, who are we supposed to be stay-at-home moms with, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A, most of the women are various states of single, not married, unmarried, divorced, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, don't have the resources to stay home. Don't have, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure there were a few married ones in there, but none come to mind off the top of my head. Right. Uh, yeah, so it's just like, well, why wouldn't it be okay for me to start this up? And then her counselor's like, well, he's a bad father. Would you really let... Um, would you really want to be with a man who let his son fell, fall out of a tree? And that becomes kind of his moniker in the narrative and in her head going forward of, like, the man who let his son fall out of a tree um, mm-hmm. instead of Tucker. Yes. Um, also, I, I kind of did want to mention about the – I forgot to mention this earlier with little robot children. Again, mm-hmm. question marks as to whether or not they are real children – the very beginning of the program, one of the robot children does throw himself at the electric fence and dies. Yeah, which it's like, it's so not, what is going on here? It's not clear if it's a suicide or an accident yeah, or it's what. Yeah, like an older child, like an 11-year-old yeah. robot child. Yeah. So um, like. I mean, I don't think that, I. to me personally, I don't think that they are real kids who have been made robotic, mm. if that's, I think... They are robots who have become real children. They're too real. Yeah. Um, Technology has gone too far. I mean, I think that we see this. There's kind of like a hint of it in one of the tests where, like, she's freaking out beforehand. And Emmanuel, who doesn't speak in full sentences generally, like, looks at her and says, like, don't worry, mother. Or, like, don't worry, mommy. I will help you. Mm -hmm. Um, Which implies that she has more of a more than a robot two-year-old understanding of what the program is and what she is what her part is to play here um but then like that isn't really followed through and it's just kind of this creepy eerie thing that happens and is kind of just there you know yes it's so unsettling um so if you're into that like horror adjacent sort of situation going on here um (laughs) you you would dig it probably um so yes we see frida um in her quest to become just the perfect mother uh, in order to get out and, and be with her daughter is 
becoming more and more attached to Emmanuel, Emmanuel in, in a way that like she shares her secret, her little secret phrase that she has with her flesh and blood daughter, uh, like says, I love you galaxies to the little robot child. And she's like immediately ashamed about that. But, but yeah, she does. She shares these sentiments with her robot child of like, they both say, I love you to each other. And she begins to develop these strong feelings for the, for the child and has these ruminations of like, what will happen to Emmanuel when I'm gone? Because they make the robot children look like the heritage of each of the mothers. And so Emmanuel, it has like Asian features and, um, Frida is like, there's not a lot of Asian women here. Like it might be ages until there's another woman who comes to have Emmanuel as a, as a daughter. I think also they make the robots, the heritage of the mother's children because she has half Asian features. Yes, and half yes, that's white. what it is. Because that's yeah. also one of the other um, moms has a biracial son and that, or biracial daughter. And because that becomes like a commentary that a lot of, because she's white and has this biracial kid. And then she starts up these um, affairs with first one of the guards yes. who is black and then one of the dads who is black. And so there's a lot of people talking about her and like being mm. like, what the fuck is she doing? You know, sort of thing. Which leads to what I thought was a very interesting subplot, which I wish the book kind of followed that thread instead mm-hmm. of the direction it did go into, where Meryl and Roxanne, who is Frida's roommate, who has a huge crush on Meryl. Meryl, Roxanne, and one of the dads, I can't remember his name, so it's the C. Starts C. C. Yeah, Curtis, maybe? Curtis or C- Colin. Colin. Something, something like that. A C Clint. name. Maybe. <laughs> corn (laughs) they all corn yeah they all escape uh and they and they run and everyone's like wow good for them but like don't really know if they had a plan like what's the sitch we're out kind of in the middle of nowhere and no one is gonna stop and pick up a bunch of people in matching jumpsuits to get them to town whatever um they don't hear from roxanne or the guy whose name starts with a c again but if a few weeks after the escape, um, Frida is down in the basements and she looks into a door and she sees Meryl has been like held prisoner in the school. And she doesn't know what happened, how long Meryl's been held down here. Um, and, and Meryl is eventually released. And she tells the story of how like, yeah, I went to go get my baby and my mom called the cops on me. And I was basically taken back here, um, to resume schooling. I think her mother, um, like, begs her to return. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't She's quit. Like, yeah. You don't don't quit. And they're like, oh, you have such a good support, Meryl. Which mm-hmm. then, like, later, um, because, spoiler for five seconds later, Meryl eventually dies by suicide. And yeah. at that point, her child is taken into the foster care system because they say, like, grandma oh, her can't do it. grandma can't, obviously, is no good at being a mother. Like, look at her daughter, you know, sort yes, of thing. So. The cycle continues, mm-hmm. which that was it that was, was another so thing with this book. Like I, because and I, I think this is intentional because a lot of the characters raise the same points where they're like, they they know at this point they're like we're not gonna pass. Like yes. a lot of them are kind of like, well, we're we might to fail, yeah. But they're like clearly they like what is the end goal of this? And kind of the supposition is that um, like a couple of the moms know that the foster family that they're with is like wants to adopt their kid at this point because Mm -hmm. they've been with them for six months eight months whatever and these are like the type of foster families that are like affluent white people Mm -hmm. want to you know adopt the the child of color for points you know like it's not like the foster system you think of that is 
full of people who should not be foster parents, perhaps. And I mean, I think there's kind of an implication that like at one point I fully thought that Susanna or Gust had reported her. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. that was what so that they could have the kid together. Right. But that is never confirmed. And I think ultimately that is not what is happening. It isn't some like baby stealing ring. I think that it like I think that the government liter or you know the people in charge CPS yes. whatever literally think that like I don't think this is a trick. I think that they think that this is how mothers should behave. That they are like these are the rules mm. whatever and just their impossible standards, right? Like yes. I don't think yeah. that there is an end goal because I think the book kind of asks that question well, it's at all one point. Women who have never been mothers before teaching these yeah like it's like i don't want to reference harry potter but you know in the fifth book that whole it's that whole (laughs) thing it's it's the order of the phoenix (laughs) anyway so we get to the end of the program and um frida has another court trial where you know she has like gust and Susanna both step up and they're like no she's making great strides we have forgiven her for what she's done to her child they are at this point engaged and Susanna has had a baby um uh or no it's pregnant with the child very close to having she's a child i don't know when the, the baby, baby is at coming. the time she gets left let out she's supposed to be due like right around when she's supposed to get let out but she she's baby early. it's premature yeah. yes due to quote-unquote stress that they blame mm-hmm. on frida um not not gust and susanna but the, but everyone else but everyone else um and uh they you know they step up and they're like she's a good mom we don't please don't tear apart our family uh, but the court has said, like, we've monitored everything. And while you have made great improvements, you should never, you are the type of person who should never have let this happen to begin with. No parental rights for you. And the last test that they do is like establishing morals. Which um, was so, yeah. Yeah. Which like oh. the, how, like. You're teaching these robots <laughs> morality. But also like they aren't, right? Because right. it's like the the morals the two tests that they have to pass, the robot has to pass to get the moral badge on their Girl Scout sash mm-hmm. is um when they see a fake injured bird, they have to take the injured bird to their mother, so for care, I guess. Uh-huh. And then when me. they pass an unhoused person, or a beggar, they have mm-hmm. to ask their mother for a coin and then give the coin to the unhoused person. And say, be well. And say, be well, yes. Um, which is like, that's not teaching morals. That's teaching, that's like, teaching that's scripts. Right. For- that's show pony behavior, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and But Frida is one of the first to, like, accomplish this and gets, like, 100% on the test or whatever. Mm. So she's like... Because she's like, of course I'm all about community. I'm an Asian, like... We know how to take care of our own. Yeah. She's like kind of like, well, maybe I will get her back because like I, I taught her morals. I taught her how to do this. But I'm trying to remember, is it at that point with that test that they're basically all told that? Oh, no, it's right after that. They right go in for that. another meeting with their counselor and their counselor is like, no, your prognosis is still poor. Like and then like all of the women just come out and are like screaming into the yes. nothingness, into the void. Into the and void. then they have to say goodbye to their dolls and that's also just they get tragic. Pictures taken with them. Yes, which is and important. It's very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Because Frida's they it's Polaroids and yeah. um Linda, she sees Linda take one and squirrel it away. So she takes one and squirrels it away. Mm-hmm. And they don't get in trouble for that. She keeps a picture. She keeps the picture. Of her and Emmanuel. Which is like, okay, but if anyone ever finds that picture, 
then you'll lose your parental rights. So, right. Which is a big plot point. Right. Um, so she loses, she loses her rights to be involved in her daughter's life, which is very but sad. She, but she isn't added to the registry because as they say, she went through the schooling, you went through the school and you don't have a kid anymore. So there's no point to adding you to the registry. Yes. You could potentially have another one. Right. Um, and now that you've gone through school, I guess now you'll be a good mom. So she, they are, she's given a 30-minute window of time to say goodbye to her daughter and trying to explain all this. It's fucking tragic. She's brought, like, this these family This was the part heirlooms. that I was crying very hard at. Oh, it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. Um, she brings these family heirlooms, and she's like, please, like, tell, tell my daughter the significance of this. She puts, like, her hair in the locket. Uh, she, like, is begging her daughter, like, please come find me when you're old enough. And, you know, of course, the daughter's like, yeah, okay, sure. She's, like, three. Like, <laughs> and she's like, no, I want to stay with you now because yeah. – like and they're just telling been, her mommy's in time out right and harriet's been having like through the calls that she has been able to have with her like oh yeah the daughter's varying, harriet by the way <laughs> <laughs> varying levels of like remembering who her mother is or not yeah, like at one point she started tragic. calling Ugh. Susanna her mom and mm-hmm. you know there's pushback to that and whatever but like yeah there's like several calls where harriet's basically like i don't remember her and then like they'll kind of jog her memory and she'll be like yeah okay my mom sure um, mm-hmm. but there's like Harriet is obviously very disconnected from her at this point. But even with all that, like she, Harriet is distressed at the idea of never seeing this woman again. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Frida is incredibly distressed because, mm-hmm. you know, she's, this is what she worked for and, but, and potentially yeah. will never see her child again. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is like, she, okay. She gives up her parental rights, but like, also I have to question like, okay, Gust if you're really concerned about her being involved in your life, can you not just introduce like, hey, here's this woman? They who... do say that that he can't. That's bullshit. That that's there's like they say specifically um, under the old laws because there's also this thing about like CPS. Oh, there have been a few deaths under like CPS's watch, so that's why we're mm-hmm. tightening it up and whatever. So they said like under the old system, he could have you could have still like visited them with supervision yeah. and whatever under the new system if it is found because that's also why she has to go through will to do the thing at the end um if, if it is found that gus has gust and or Susanna has let you have contact with the kid basically they will be put in the bad mother's bad father's program so like that will be enough it. for them to be deemed yeah yeah so so yeah so she um they say goodbye it's very sad. Um, she's having a, an extremely hard time uh, reintegrating into into her life. Um, she's staying with a friend, Will, who is Gust's best friend. But Will and she have kind of developed a little on a little bit of a relationship before she went away to the school because in her grief of losing her daughter, she went to him and like tried to initiate sex, even though he was like, nah, I'm not I, not right now. Uh, and then she was embarrassed by that and was like, I'm so sorry for pushing myself on you. But then they do have sex at another time and then they kind of have a sexual relationship again when she gets out of school she's not super into it but will will is in love with her she is in love with the idea of tucker but feels like she cannot contact tucker because tucker got his kid tucker back. got his kid back yeah. and i would guess most if not all of the fathers got their kid I'm back sure they all did yeah yeah certainly the white ones because tucker is also white mm-hmm. um and so she she's with Will and Will gets a call from Gus like, hey, we have to take our newborn baby into the hospital. Can you please come watch the other child? 
Um, you know, it's just going to be overnight till we can come up with something else. Yada, yada, yada. Well, like, yes, of course I'm your best friend. Of course I would do that. So he's telling all of this to Frida and Frida's like, Will, can you, I just, I just need like, can you please just get me in? I just need to say goodbye. They didn't give me long enough with her the first time I said goodbye. And Will's like, I don't know, dude, this feels like such a betrayal of my best friend, Will. I mean, my best friend, Gust. And Frida at this point also has the plan that she is going to move back home with her parents. Yeah, she's bought That's a ticket to, to be go back to be happening in a few days. Mm-hmm. Get out, get out of Philly. There's nothing there for her anymore. Go back home and be, you know, baby. Start over. Coddled. Start yeah. from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she needs that. She needs her family support system. Um, so Will's like, mm, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm going to get in big trouble. I could get Gust and Susanna in big trouble. Like, I don't know. And she finally wears him down where he's like okay yes meet me at their house I will buzz you in and you can say goodbye to your daughter one last time but don't wake her up don't like wake her up sleeping yes yeah she's just finally learned how to sleep well or something IDK so Frida goes and she's like will I just can I please have some privacy I'm not going to do anything I'm not going to harm my daughter that would be so stupid I promise you I just want to say goodbye to her I just want to have a moment alone and will like hems and haws over it but again it's kind of like all right, yes, I trust you, Frida, because I've been in love with you for probably forever. Um, and he leaves. I fully thought at this point that this was going to be an extreme downer ending. Of Me too. Take yes. herself and the kid out. That's what um, I thought too. It wasn't. So it wasn't. So wasn't. that was good. It was, yeah. But like all the foreshadowing was leaning that way, right? Like it there was really so was. much talk about like Frida and her relation to the idea of suicide that like it was it was troubling for a minute it was there. extremely troubling another route i thought that this book was going to go uh was i thought that there was going to be an incident um where Su- with susanna and gus an accident where the child also lost their life and mm. uh it, and then they were going to end up in the bad people jail too and and so like frida was going to be like you know like why did i go through all of this when they were clearly the bad parents the whole time I thought it would go that direction, too. I also had a thought because I made a reference. Like, let's just talk about all the different thoughts. Yeah, these are the things that didn't happen before we tell you what happened. Um, I thought at one point that because they mentioned, like, um, Frida talking to Emmanuel is like, oh, yeah, um, because of so many of, like, my people, uh, my type of people, meaning, like, humans being born, um, like it's bad for the environment and this and that and the other. I thought that it was going to be revealed that like they were basically phasing out humanity to like that they were. Oh, wow. It wasn't that, that they cool. were like bad mothers. It was that they needed people they needed to mother these children. So they were like planning mm. to have the robot children like basically yeah. be the next generation. That would have been and then cool. like they were like phasing out humanity into robots. And I was like, ah, oh, I see. But that is that also happened. wasn't the direction it went. I hated the direction <laughs> it did end up going. I, I was okay with it. Bullshit. I <laughs> so uh she kidnaps her daughter. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a surprise to many people listening. She kidnaps her daughter. And I'm like, cool. Like, girl, all you gotta do is get across some borders and you're good. You're golden. No one's ever gonna find you guys. Um she kind of makes some weird references. She's like, I put this picture in in my daughter's pocket where the Gust and Susanna would be sure to find it. And I was like, okay. It, but you took the jacket with you girl that's not that's not the plan i get why she did it but in my as i was reading i'm like this isn't what are you what are you talking about no wh- why would you put the photo in the jacket and then take the jacket what are you talking about and then she's like then they're driving away and um she's like well will will probably have told everyone by now what's happened and i can expect uh you know i can expect the people to be coming after me i probably have like about a few more hours with my daughter and then and I'm like, and then what? 
She goes, and then I'll be sent back to the school so I can get my other daughter. I was like, no! <laughs> Why? And the book ends with her saying, I've been a ba- I am a bad mother, but I'm learning to become a good one. But for the other daughter is the implication there. And I'm just like, no here's here's I'm so thought. mad about this ending number one i think that she is doing this i don't think that she is giving up on harriet number one she no. says like she has the whole line about like she would give up anything for one more um minute one more hour one more day one more year so i think that in she is like here is how i make the best of it yeah. i get as much time as i can with my kid right now and then I go back to the school and have hopefully be able to help that kid. But she's also planning. Yeah. She's also planning to help both of them buy the picture because she puts Maybe the picture in the jacket. If well, they I do anything with it. Yeah. But I think I think we have enough information about Gus and Susanna for all of their flaws and for the fact that Gus is a terrible husband. I think that he is a good father and I think he does want her in Harriet's life. And I think that if he sees that and she's dropped hints to will about like the stuff they did to us in there is very fucked up i can't talk about it and she says if they see that picture of her with another little girl a robot girl well they won't know it's a robot they're just gonna think it's a little girl in that school there will be questions and they are not bound by an nda right because at first i was like why doesn't she just tell everyone it's like oh because of the registry yeah because yeah so i was like this to, to me reads as a very typical dystopian ending where it is like it still looks pretty bleak, but maybe if the stars align, things will get better. And I think that's kind of typical of dystopia, mm. but we I haven't really seen that. Her to get something good in her life. I know, I know. Bullshit. But I think that it's hard to turn it because I was thinking that this whole time. I was like, this is going to end really tragically. And I think that the fact that it didn't end as tragically as I thought it would, I was like, okay, yeah. She has a plan, she has an idea. And I like the last sentence because to me it wasn't like that she is falling in line with the like the school and their ways of thinking it's that she has realized that like she was a bad mother but now she is a good one because Mm. like she is doing what she needs to do for her kids sacrificing her real child I don't think she is sacrificing her real child at all. It's just like the whole like this is also extremely traumatizing (laughs) for sure but like I think not the smartest way to go. I think that her thought is that if if there is a chance that she can be together with Harriet, that she will take it. I guess. And that pissed me off. Includes getting caught and sent back to the school in the hopes that Gus and Susanna will be able to do something about it. I don't know. It was get, like nothing's. Oh, whatever. I'm just, well, and I mean that's the robot part of, child is not real. You can't. You can't have a happy ending the, with that one. I think the robot child is real. I think that the happy ending that she is working towards is her and Harriet and Emmanuel. I well, think how are you going to make the blue goo, Frida? How are you going to make that blue goo when you I need think, to flush your child out every month? I think realistically, that is not going to happen. That it is going to be She's a tragic die. ending. But I think that. It left it with the hope spot of I like. I don't like that. No. Okay. Well, I, I don't do. like bleak endings. I don't think it was. Ble- okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I was a fan. I liked it. Uh, but 
What about dystopias in general? What are your feelings towards them? My feelings towards them are I need some distance. I need my mm-hmm. real life to be more certain so that when I read a dystopian, I can mm-hmm. be like, whew, glad that was a fictional story and not something that will really happen someday. <laughs> I think, though, that that's <laughs> They're kind too of, scary for me. I feel, yeah, I feel like that's not a dystopia, though. I think that that's kind of the thing. I mean, maybe not technically, but I feel yeah. like there has to be the connection to reality that there has to be the i mean that's probably yeah i think that for the genre definitely yeah. probably a requirement for me as a reader though right <laughs> it's easier with ya dystopia i will say mm. because it's always it's always plucky young girl is gonna is gonna save the day right and yeah. they're gonna somehow a bunch of 16 year olds are gonna overthrow the government entire the entire society of whatever fucked up united states we're in now and problem solved yeah Unless it's divergent, <laughs> in which, which case. Which, I mean, they still do overthrow the government in that yeah. one. It's just spoiler for divergent, if you care. She Allegiant. dies. Yeah, she dies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she. Um, so it's. I think it's a little bit easier with YA dystopia to be like, okay, these could happen, but it's okay because a group of 16-year-olds will come and save the day and I don't need mm-hmm. to worry. Um, but this, I'm like, no one saved the day. I'm left with too many existential crises going on uh in my mind next please (laughs) so i think i think for me the type of reader that i am i do see the value in these i 100 percent do um i i would say that this is a this is a this is a good book someone for a lot of people out there a necessary book perhaps to read um but i'm i'm looking for escapism anymore Mm. so that's just that's how that's where it lands for me uh too scary too real and that's I'm just, fair yeah <laughs> i think this was a good example of a i think it was a successful unit and that this was mm. a very good example of a modern day dystopian um left me very unsettled mm-hmm. and um the genre is the genre's booming guys yeah check them out there's check some them interesting out. stuff out there for sure yes and you know go with different media like comics and yes. and uh tv and watch the tv and, I'm sure there's good dystopian video games, right? Yeah, yeah. there's probably you know, a few out there. Next week, we will be back with a Meow Meow Monday with Yahoo. Warriors, Omen of the Stars, Book 3, Night Whispers. Night Whispers. The week after That's going to be our ASMR episode. Night yes, Whisper. we should have done that. We Too should bad have. we didn't. Uh, and then the week after that, we will be continuing our modern mythology unit with one of the Rick Riordan, Rick Riordan. I will never say Who it knows? right. Um, I say it both. I'm just interchangeable. <laughs> Uncle Rick presents yeah. uh, City of the Plague God by Sarwat Chada. Yes. It sounds super cool. I really want to read all of these Rick Riordan presents. I'm not going to lie. They all sound mm-hmm. amazing. Um, in the meantime, if you have any books or units you'd like for us to cover on the podcast, either because you think we would love them or hate them, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise, we are going to send you to the school for good podcast listeners, in which case you'll have to. <laughs> got him, got him, bazinga. You'll have to deal with robot versions of me and M. So have fun flushing us out once a month. Disgusting. Uh, if you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a review um, of, of five stars specifically. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you like. In the words of a reviewer on Goodreads, 
Knackered mother neglects toddler daughter gets sent to reform an institution with living dolls and unattainable expectations. Not a cheerful book. (laughs) That is an understatement. (laughs) Next week, we will be back with a Meow Meow Monday with Warriors. Hold on. Let me pull it up. I don't remember the name of it. Something. It's the third one. Fading. No, Fading Echoes. Shadow something shadows. Dark. I bet if we, we could just stumble upon it by saying enough of the enough Probably. of the keywords here. It's Wario. Warios. Wario. <laughs> it's me, Warios. <laughs> uh, warriors. I'm sorry. Oh, Warrior. Warrior. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Night Wizards. <laughs> No, I was going to say it. <laughs>